I want to uh, just share something that uh, felt the Lord place in my heart for you this morning, and kind of comes a little bit from an experience I just had yesterday, and um, I uh, was fortunate enough to be able to uh, uh, rescue a bunch of people from uh, which could have been a death last night, and uh, and. I won't go all the details right now, but it was, it was a long way up the river, and I just decided to go fishing and, uh, with, with, with a mate of mine. And uh, we were a long way up the river, and we found these people absolutely stranded. There was no way they were going to get out because of their condition. Um, they had hardly any clothes on, and they were about to spend the night in the cold river. And uh, so we were just, there was no cell phone coverage, and uh, again, they weren't in the, the best of conditions <laughs> without going into too much detail. Uh, the problem was that they were they were rotten drunk actually, and um, and uh, it could have had a, a a significant tragedy. I mean, a bunch of bunch of young people and um, uh, the the or the the captain of the boat. He was he was that bad. He I, I couldn't even he was that drunk. I couldn't get him out of the boat, and um, let alone stand. And uh, and so the, like I said, there was there was five of them there and. And uh, uh, it, it, was, it was a really bad situation. I mean, it's a piece of water that's pretty hard to work, navigate through as it is, uh, not being drunk. Uh, and so anyway, the, the boat, luckily enough, um, jammed itself because if he kept going, he would have killed the people on board. Anyway, we found them, and the boat was full with water and, and, and conked out. And... Uh, and there was no way, no way they could get out. There was just no reception, and the nearest, and it was going to, they'd already been in the water for a long time, and uh, they're on their way. They just had nowhere to go. So anyway, we, we ferried them out, uh, ferried them out to a hut, and uh, uh, it was something that they said. Uh, one of the, one of the, um, a couple of the people said at the end of it was this, that really got me thinking. And when I, when we finished the finished the rescue, we, we I ended up back at the boat trailer. And I was talking to an exclusive brethren guy, and he said, "Oh, you're Pastor Dave, aren't you?" He said, "Yeah." <laughs> and I just told him the situation. He said, "Oh, you might have to use this as a message for tomorrow." And I thought, "Well, actually, I might just do that," uh, um, because there's a there was a, there was something that really really kind of shook me in it. It was this: after all of it, they uh, they said thank you, and they said, "Oh, we want to buy you some." Well, I mean, the, a few of them were still drunk. I mean, there was just alcohol everywhere. It's quite it was, it was sad, really. And at the end of it, they said, I want, we want to, I'll tell you what, we'll give you a box of beers. We'll, we'll bring, you, bring you some box of beers and we'll bring you some um, fuel, money for fuel, whatever. And I thought about it afterwards and I thought, what a waste of life. Is that all, what, is that all your life is worth? Is that what your life is worth? And I want to tell you today, whatever, uh, however your life has been trashed, your life is worth more than that. Your, your life is worth more than a box of beer. What disturbed me is this. For many people, every person, regardless of whether they know God or not, receive Christ or not, is made in the image of God. Every person, regardless of their beliefs, regardless of how they were brought into the world, regardless of what they're struggling with, regardless of what kind of behavior they're, they're up to, every person is one that's born in the image of Christ. 
Every purpose, every person is created with unique potential. Every person is born with a destiny. Every person is born with a destiny, something inside of their heart that not just lasts for this time, but lasts for an eternity. And for so many people, for so many, even Christians, people trade their life for literally a box of beer. When it comes down to this, and it comes down to an exchange for their life, they offer me a box of beer. Maybe two, whatever, it doesn't really matter. The point being is this. For many of us, for many people, myself included, all of our life is made up of trading. We're trading something for something else. We're giving something for, I mean, that's what exchange of value is. When you exchange value, you, you, give, you give money for something in exchange for something. And I want to encourage you that wherever you are today, you're, the Bible says this, that you were bought with a price. You were bought with a price, and that price was far beyond a box of beer and a few dollars for petrol. I hope they get to have a conversation with them because they were still drunk by the time I got them back. But I want to encourage you today. There is more inside of your life. Don't trade your life for something that's just can just waste away, that literally will be, I mean, you work it out, but you have too much beer, what happens? And don't trade your life. All of us, are, we, we have the... The choice of what we give our life to, what we restrain our life from, and what and these choices that we make determine the, sh- the course of our life. And I believe that there are people here, and many of us, we, uh, we make these decisions about what our life will count for. And there's some great young people, and I, and I really pray that, that the Lord will touch their life. I'm gonna, I'll be messaging this afternoon to say, you know, I don't want your beer. Just what I want to do, what I do want to tell you is make your life count. Make your life count. Every one of us trades. There's a, couple of th- there's a few things that we trade in our life. One is our time. What we give our time to. Do we give our time because do we give our time to the things that are just temporary? Do we give our time to uh, things that will just one day just disappear? Do we give our finance into things that one day just disappear? How much of your time? How much of your finances? How much of your heart do you give for something that is just temporary? Or do you live with a sense that actually my life counts? My life has been bought with a price far beyond a box of beer. My, my life has been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. Somebody gave his life for my sins. Somebody gave his life for my life. And my life needs to count for something far beyond uh, what, I can, what, what the world can offer. I want to encourage you here. Every person here is bought with a price. Every person. Every person in this place today has a, uh, something unique of the call of God upon their life that the world is waiting to experience. It just doesn't know it yet. Every person here is, is born with giftings and talents. But what happens is the world tries to offer you something that actually alcohol is going to make you happy. Things, these things are going to make you happy. The people end up wasting their life. The reason why I want to open it up is uh, connect the story to what I, the story this morning is um, something I believe that, that God is just speaking to me afresh about too. What do I give my time to? What do I give my affection to? Do I give my affection to the things that are just temporary? Or do I live with a, a sense of eternal purpose? Let me ask you the question. What would your life be like? How would your life change if you really had a deep conviction of your life's eternal purpose? How would that priority, how would how would how much would priorities shift? How much would that affect the way that you spend your time? How much would that affect the way that you uh, spend the, the various resources that you have in your life? 
The Bible says here in, in Matthew chapter 19 and uh, in verse 16, and it's about the, it talks about the rich young ruler. And I read from the Passion Translation, and it says, Then a, young, a rich young ruler, in verse 16, approached Jesus and bowed before him, saying, Wonderful teacher, is there a good work that I have to do to obtain eternal life? Is there something that I need to do? Is there something else that I need to do? And Jesus answered, why, do you, why would you call me wonderful? God alone is wonderful. Why would you ask what good work you need to do? Just keep the commandments and you'll enter the life of God. Which ones, he asked. Interesting, he's asking, well, how many do I need to do? Which, which, and which specific ones do I need to do in order to get this eternal life? And Jesus said, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie, honor your mother and father. Love those around you as you love yourself. Come to church, get connected with a cell group. And then... <laughs> but then the, then the young guy said, I've always obeyed every one of them without fail since I was a youth. What else do I lack? Interesting, his life's full of everything, but yet he's aware that there's something he's missing in his life. That's what I find with many people, is that they can have all the possessions in the world, but yet still not be fulfilled still have an empty void inside of their life. But maybe you're here today, and you're like that. And Jesus said to him, if you really want to experience this eternal life then, go immediately, sell everything you own, give all your money to the poor, and your treasure will be transferred in heaven. Then come back and follow me for the rest of your life. And when the young man heard these words, he walked away very angry because he was extremely wealthy. One thing you notice here that Jesus doesn't chase him. Jesus never chased him. In fact, I don't see Jesus chasing anybody. He gives people options to follow, and then the, the choice of following Jesus is actually rests upon us. Jesus is not going to just... I mean, the Holy Spirit works in our life continually, but the onus of, the, of following Jesus and, 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 for, and finding uh, eternal life actually rests on us. And then Jesus said and turned to his disciples and said, listen, you can understand how difficult it is for the rich to enter the kingdom realm. In fact, it's easier for us to stuff a heavy rope through the eye of a needle than it is for that wealthy to enter the God's kingdom. And stunned and bewildered, his disciples said, who in the world can possibly be saved? And Jesus looked straight into their eyes and replied, humanly speaking, no one because no one can save himself. What seems impossible to you is never impossible to God. And then Peter blurted out, yeah, here we are. We've given up everything to follow you. What will be there for us? And just saying, this is considering the story of this rich young ruler. And uh, interesting what Jesus, the, the questions or the instructions that Jesus gives. One of the things I notice about, about Christ and, 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 the, and the questions he asks us there's always something else behind the question that he's asking. And the whole point about the, following the Ten Commandments was not just about uh, surface behavior. It was about getting into his heart about what's going on inside of there that will help him discover and help him find what he's looking for. Interesting about this young man was this. He says that he had followed these commandments all the, all the, all the days of his life, ever since he was youth. So he'd done all the right things. He'd lived, uh, he'd lived a very clean lifestyle. He'd, he'd done all the right things. And 
one of the things that you'd know is that we can take from this is that he already had an understanding about God. He was in a, living in a, uh, a different time, but he had a heart towards God to a certain degree. He lived a Christian lifestyle. He went to church. He went to the synagogue. He, he did all the right things. But even doing all those right things and living the Christian lifestyle, there was still a part of his life that was missing. See, it's one thing to live a Christian lifestyle. Many people can live a Christian lifestyle. Many people here may live a good lifestyle. You're not, you're not doing bad things. You, you don't kill anyone. You, you, you know, well, hope you don't. <laughs> many people here will live Christian lifestyles. I know many people that live Christian lifestyles, they give, live a good life. But there's still something missing. I mean, they've got a joy of God inside of their heart, but there's still something else that they're looking for. See, it's one thing to live a Christian lifestyle. It's one thing to go to church. It's one thing to help some people out, you know, be kind to people and lift them out, you know, get them out of trouble and help them out somewhere. Many people do that. But it's another thing to become a disciple of God, a disciple of Jesus. One of the things I'm feeling afresh in my heart is this. I don't want my life just to live a Christian lifestyle. There was something about becoming a true follower, a true disciple of Jesus Christ, allowing him to get into the very core of your heart, allowing him to touch the very things that your heart is attached to. See, follow, becoming a disciple is not just about adding, adding things into your life. See, the nature of the question that he asked was, I've done all this, what else do I need to do? In other words, what else do I need to add in? How many more things do I need to do? He already had heaps of stuff, but he's thinking he still needs to do more. And Jesus looks at him and said, no, 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 it's one thing that you lack. And one of the things that we find, I believe, is this. Sometimes it's not about adding things into our life. It's about stripping off the things that our hearts are attached to that are sapping the life that God has called us to live. And one of the things I know that we, we see about this, see, he had an understanding of God. He had did all the right things. He had been to church. He had served in church. He'd probably been on the door a couple of times and done some wonderful things, but still wasn't being fulfilled. You may be here today and be like that. You know, you've come to church for the last 20 years and have been to Bible studies and done this and done that, but there's still a sense of emptiness inside of your life. You're still a sense something that's missing. There's something more. And when this guest ministry comes and he says, oh, come up, do something, pray for me, do prophesy over me, tell me I'm going to be great. And yet he gets a prophetic word and, and the word, you see the response, he gets angry. He gets angry. And sometimes when... Uh, when the Lord speaks and touches things in our heart that our hearts are attached to, our response to them is not always pleasant. And I've, but that's the nature of discipleship. One of the things of, that I'm called to do as a pastor is, is to not just encourage you and feed your lollies, and, but to be able to bring things out in your heart that I can see that are keeping you in bondage. And sometimes it's very difficult to see. Like this guy here, he had no idea. And when our heart is attached to something, when, it, when our heart is attached to wealth, when our heart is attached to social media, when our heart is attached to uh, all these different things that we try and seek uh, life from, it's not until we start trying to take them away is when you really discover how much you really are attached to them. <laughs> People get attached to position. I, I spoke to one young guy, and, and he, had a, he had great desires, great ambitions to be a world-famous ministry. 
And uh, I talked to him. I said, look, I don't really care if my, in my office door, whether it's Pastor Dave on there or not. It doesn't really matter. Because my identity, who I am, is not tied up in the position. I am who I am all the time. And so if your identity is caught up in uh, your, your material possessions, and, 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 here is the, and here is the challenge for many of us as Christians. It's, one th- it's good to be wealthy, but the point is when our identity is caught up in that, when our hearts are attached to it, when our heart is attached to anything else other than God, in other words, when something else is taken, it's a higher place in our life than, than, than Christ. When Christ starts to work and tries to dismantle that sort of stuff, I can tell you, there's going to be a reaction. <laughs> and many a times we don't see it, and that's why we need people to speak into our life. That's why it's important to get into a discipleship group. It's one thing, like I said, it's, it's one thing to come to church and, to, and hear good messages and clap, and, and do it. but it's another thing to commit to having your life discipled. And therein lies the source of life. Our willingness to lay down our life, our willingness to allow Christ to touch and to, to transform our life and to transform the, 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 the things that our hearts are attached to. Interesting, he was, he was searching for something more. He, he saw a life that other people had that he didn't have, even though he was going to church. And I find this, that for many Christians... For many Christians, they'll wander from church to church to church. They'll look for ministries overseas. They'll look for ministries everywhere, looking for something. They'll follow this person over there. They'll follow this person over there. They'll follow this person on Facebook. They look everywhere, but the real issue is this. It's, you're not going to find it there. You're not going to find your life by following anyone else except by Jesus. The life that I've, pers- I've started to, I, I, I'm discovering and walking more in, it's found more by allowing Christ to touch the parts of my heart that I've attached, that are attached to me, that have taken a place other than Christ. When you start to, it, it, so our life is, I, I believe this, that our life becomes fuller, not as a result of the things that we add in, but by the things that we let go of and allow Christ to come and take the place. Interesting, he says, so he said, in spite of all he had, he knew something was missing. But Jesus knew. So the whole point of Jesus' questions was to actually get to the point in his heart. So it's not always about adding things or getting the opportunities. Sometimes, in fact, most of the times, it's about letting the things go that have our heart. In Mark chapter, so this this story is found in in, in three of the Gospels. It's found in um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So it's it's a very, very important scripture for us to learn from. In, in the book of Mark, chapter 10, verse 21, Mark's, uh, Mark's edition says, and Jesus looked at him and loved him. So when Jesus looked at him, he knew what his heart was attached to. And when Jesus looks into us, he does so with a heart of love. Jesus was moved with compassion. He's always moved with compassion. He wasn't angry that the fact that the guy had a lot of money. He wasn't angry at all. He was just... He looked inside and loved him. One of the things, I I believe this, is that Jesus saw the potential in this young man. He was a good young man. He was was wealthy. He was disciplined. He had a good reputation. He had everything going for him. He had a whole bunch of things in his life that were going well, but the one thing he lacked. But yet the other thing that Jesus saw was, here is a young man that's got great potential. Jesus saw something inside of life. Even though Jesus saw the lack, he also sees the potential. And that's the wonderful grace about Jesus Christ. He sees the lacks in our life. He sees what our hearts are, what our heart can be attached to. 
but he's not turned away from it. He sees the potential. You may be here today. I want to encourage you. He sees the potential in your life. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't really, really matter whether you've lived a, a really good life, a noble life, or a challenged life. It doesn't really matter. The Lord sees the good in you. There was people I was praying for here this morning, and you've come from a challenged background. But the fact is that you're here is because God has seen the good inside of you. And as hard as to bring you out of something, and as hard as to transform your life. Now, there was a young guy that got saved last Sunday, and I don't know if you're here this morning. But I want to encourage you. There is, God's got a great plan and a great purpose for your life. And saying that, so, that, so what Jesus said, he said, sell all your things and give all the money to the poor. This is a, script, this is a piece of scripture that really can get taken out of whack because it can be misinterpreted, meaning that if I really have to get eternal life, that means I've got to sell everything. And who here wants to sell everything? Nobody. <laughs> you may do, but I certainly don't want to sell everything and give all my money to the poor. I mean, what's, what's, what's Jesus thinking? Is that really the way to eternal life? No, no, no. So what happens is many people can take that scripture out of context and think that actually God doesn't want me to be rich. God doesn't want me to be wealthy. God wants me to sell everything I have to the, and give it, to the, give it to the poor. No, no, it was only applicable for this guy here. It's not a blanket rule for everybody. For you, it's going to be something, something different. For you, it may be getting off your position. It may be... Uh, it may, it's gonna, everyone will have their unique thing that's attached to their heart. Because if, 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 if really, if that's the way that we're going to receive eternal life, that we just sell all our possessions and give all the money to the poor, well, that seems a waste of money to me. That doesn't sound like good wisdom because some people are poor because of the bad decisions that they make. Hello? Yeah. It's good to give to the poor, but the Bible also says don't give money to a poor person. Why? Because sometimes there's reasons why people are poor. Hello? And I want to help you in this, in this coming year. We're going we're gonna, to, I believe that God has placed a word on my heart because he wants to pay for prosperity. It is, it is God's will for every person to prosper, every one of his sons and daughters, every one of his children to prosper, to be moving forward in their life. Kate and I shared the other Sunday, last Sunday about um, when we went to the Wailing Wall. I want to tell you what I prayed for. One of the things I prayed for at the Wailing Wall, at, at, the, at the Western Wall, was that, that the blessing of God, and not just for my life, but for, you, for, for my church family, for you, that God's blessings would be multiplied not just on my life, not just on my children's life, but out to the fourth generation. So I've been praying that the blessing of God would be multiplied to the fourth generation of your family. My heart's for you, and it's the plan of God for you. Interesting. And one of the things that we notice, uh, one thing I learned in my study, is, is why good people don't move forward. One of the things I noticed in, in, in life is this. There are a lot of good people in the world who they are good in many ways. They... They live a good lifestyle. They they're clean. They they you know they good make good moral decisions, but they don't move forward in life. And there's a term it's called competing commitments. And when people have competing commitments, when a, and this is applicable to churches, it's applicable to our own life. When it's it's applicable to businesses, it's applicable everywhere. Whenever you have a competing commitment, 
what happens is you have a, a commitment pulling you this way, or a heart connection going this way, and a heart connection going this way. And the problem is this, when people get caught in what's called a competing commitment, it doesn't really matter how good they are or how bad they are, it doesn't really matter, it's irrelevant. The question is, because there's two, po- two forces pulling them either way, they never move anywhere. So people that, who have uh, been in church for a long time but never really grown, most of the time it'll be because there's a competing commitment there. Something else has got your heart. So there's a part of your heart that wants to serve the Lord. Huh? There's a part of your heart that wants to do great things for the Lord, that wants to honor the Lord with your life. But there's another part that you either are consciously aware of or not consciously aware of that your heart is also attached over here. And as long as you've got a, a dollar both ways, you're never going to go anywhere. And that's, for, that's where for many Christians, for many businesses, for many organizations, doesn't really matter what it is, when they live their life having a dollar each way, they'll find that they'll never move forward. In other words, I'll bet on this horse, but I'll also bet on that horse. It's what's called competing commitments. It's why good people never move forward. It's because their heart remains committed to that. And the thing about Jesus is this. Jesus is always calling us forward and calling us upwards. He's calling you forward. He's calling you upwards. But what it takes is sacrifice. Sometimes, in fact, most of the time, in fact, all of the time, in order to allow God to bring you up, you have to let go of some things. Things that your heart is connected to. Things that have been a source of comfort for you. Maybe it's a disability. Maybe it's a, a, like a, a character disability. Whatever it is. There are things in our heart that we need to let go of in order for God to lift us up. Therein lies the key to growing in God. It's not about praying more. I mean, it's good to pray a lot. I pray a lot. I fast a lot. I give. We do all of those things. But it still comes down to the matter of the heart. If my heart is still attached to something, my time will go there. My resource will go there. My affection will go there. And I'll never move forward. Doesn't matter how much I fast. Doesn't matter how much I pray. Doesn't matter how much I do all the wonderful things, there'll be still one thing that's lacking in my life. And that there is something that just needs to be let go of. And for, for me personally, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of my life right now. What things, what, what ideologies, what dreams, what, what have I made up on my mind? What, have, what connections have I got to things or, or experiences that actually I just need to let go of because they're holding me back? No amount of fasting will do it. It's allowing somebody to speak into my life and saying, this part here, you need to let that go. There is your point of freedom. And one of the things you notice about this particular guy, when the pastor, or whenever his cell group leader, or whatever, in this case it was Jesus, when Jesus said, you need to sort this part out of your life, you need to let this go, at that point, he went away angry. And one thing you notice about this, Jesus never, t- Jesus never chased him. One of the things I've discovered, one for myself, and I've noticed for other people, I've, I've, I've made observations about why people don't move forward. And when it comes to speaking into the little parts, we either run and, and, and have a cycle that goes round again, or we respond and allow our heart to be transformed. People get angry, people get upset when you touch these parts because our hearts are attached to it. And I want to encourage you today, there's so much more that God has. His heart, he didn't know his heart was connected to what he had until Jesus touched it. And so then, if you, if you read the narrative, you have now a rather a tense situation. 
Because you've got to understand, every, everyone was around. It wasn't just a, an interaction between Jesus and this young man. There's a lot of people hanging around, and I don't know if you've ever seen a conversation that gets a little heated. It's kind of like, yeah. when somebody starts overreacting, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, the, the tension's just got strong in the atmosphere. Right? What's going on here? And so, obviously, the tension is high in this, in this dynamic that's happening. You can tell it's high because Peter all of a sudden pipes up and says, oh, hey, 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 we've sold all our stuff. We've sold all our stuff. Hey, we're, we're pretty good. We've we're done it. So it's a tense situation. And then it's interesting what, what Jesus, says, what Jesus um, says after that. Jesus begins to speak of where this road of sacrifice and discipleship leads to. So after this tension, after he was talking about, he's telling this, this young man to, to sell his possessions. And he made this young man an offer. And it's this very little line that he, he offered this young man. He didn't say it to everybody. He said it to a few people. And he said it to this young man. Well, we know that Jesus loved him. But he said to the young man, come, follow me. The other times you hear that line where Jesus puts out an offer to come follow him, as with his other disciples. So here you have a man whose potential, he potentially could have been an apostle of Jesus Christ that transformed the world. He would have discovered if he had just responded to the voice speaking into his heart. He could, have been in the, he could have been one of the apostles of Jesus. One of the things I know about for many people, many people are called, I've seen people here, you've, been, you've had great prophecies, I've seen people have great prophecies over this, that, the other thing, but why don't they do it? Why don't they walk into it? Why do they have trouble seeing it fulfilled? It's because, it's not because they need to fast more, pray. it's because most of the time there's something in their heart that their heart is connected to which stops them. Through scripture it says, you know, you're not restricted by us, but you're restricted by your own affections. In other words, it's always the things that our heart are attached to that stops us from moving forward. Here is a man, which I would call as the unknown apostle. In other words, there was a great call of, Jesus called him into greatness. Jesus called him into a greatness that he would never... Never thought beyond his wildest dreams. But now we don't even know his name. <laughs> no one knows his name. There was a, a destiny that God had for his life was cut short simply because he refused to let go of something that has had his hard affections. It wasn't the devil. It wasn't a great demonic attack that caused him to do anything. It wasn't words of accusation. It wasn't a massive mishap. It wasn't a massive tragedy. It was simply this. It was simply the fact that something had attached to his heart. It was simply this, a competing commitment in his heart. Over here, Jesus Christ himself called him to follow. And to become, he would have been a, a disciple and a, an apostle of Jesus Christ. But over here, he traded. He traded an eternal life. He traded everything that God had destined for his life. He traded it for a box of beer, literally. All the... Wealth that he had, had no comparison whatsoever to what Christ had prepared him for, had prepared for him. In verse 28, it says, and then Jesus responded after this. And this is where 
I want to bring it down to. In, Je- in, Jesus, in, in verse 28. So after the situation, Jesus used it as an example. He said, listen to the truth. In the age of the restoration of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will have 12 thrones of your own and you will govern the 12 tribes of Israel. For anyone who has left behind their home and their property, leaving family, leaving brothers or sisters or mothers or fathers or children for my sake, again, don't use that as an excuse as to leave your home forever and ever. It's not talking about that. It's just misinterpretation of Scripture. What he's talking about is this. If you've placed anything, your possessions, other relationships above me, you can let them go. Not, no, it doesn't mean leave your wife, leave your husband. <laughs> Don't do that. But what he's talking about is this. Where something else takes place, when you're committed to something else aside from Jesus, aside from being a disciple of Jesus Christ. He said, for my sake, in other words, when you make sacrifices for the sake of Jesus, for the sake of his kingdom, listen to this, they will, re- they will be repaid a hundred times over and will inherit eternal life. There's two, two lines there. They will be repaid a hundred times over and they will receive eternal life. Jesus is talking about two things. He's talking about a life on earth and a life in eternity. See, to follow Jesus Christ, to follow, to be a disciple, to let things go, to be able to allow our heart to be shaped, to allow our heart to be pruned, doesn't just affect us in eternity. It affects us in today's world. In other words, when you pursue becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ, when you pursue discipleship, you will receive them. Jesus said, a hundred times over, you will receive So this young man, out of all that he had, the very thing that he was looking for, the answer, was not in just adding another opportunity, another speaking engagement or anything like that. The answer was this. What was in his heart that he so desperately held on to that he just wouldn't let go? If he had just let that go, he would have experienced a life that would have been a hundred times worth more on this earth than he could ever experience with all the wealth and the possessions that he ever had. I don't know about you, but when I consider my life, I consider the sacrifices that I have made to follow Jesus Christ. Many of them painful. Many of them. Many of them I struggle to let go of. I still struggle. The decisions I've made to, Kate and I have made to sacrifice one thing over another. We sacrifice Every weekend, we sacrifice ourselves. Sometimes I'd rather be out fishing. I can turn that straight away. Sometimes it's a sacrifice to come to church, not just because I'm the pastor. I've got other options. <laughs> but I've made a decision to sacrifice my life. I've made a decision to serve the Lord. We've made a decision, even on our wedding cake, for as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We've made it a decision. We've made it a life commitment to follow the Lord. In other words, I'm not waiting for somebody to disciple me. I pursue it. The onus is on me. The, 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 the responsibility is on me to not just read the Scripture, but to study the Scripture. It's on me to, uh, to, to pursue people, to allow them to speak into my life. It's on me to, uh, 
to, to, to take the initiative and to pursue Him. And when I pursue Him, I can tell you now, I've received a life that's a hundred times greater than what I've ever could have experienced. The opportunities, the, the life, the satisfaction I get to be able to touch and transform. I've got the ability, I've got the opportunity to transform nations. I could never do that if I still continued to live my life. I could still be sitting in a church pew. I could still be sitting here 20 years from now and I've done nothing. But I've made the decision to pursue God. I've made the decision. I've come to that point where, God, you've created me for something more than just to come to church. You've, I've created more just to do good things around the world. I've, you know, you've created me. You've put something inside of me to transform the nations. And to do that, I'm going to pursue you with all my heart, even if it spends, even if I get to the point where I'm, I'm crying, I'm, I'm upset over things, I'm still going to pursue. Even if I have to let go of things that I, I have, I'll pursue you with all my heart, Lord. And I can assure you this, the life that you, Kate and I are now living, the life that we're, there was so, we've done so much, but there's so much more for us to go into the next season means this fresh sacrifice, a fresh commitment to the Lord, a fresh devotion. It means letting go some things. I wonder what Christ is calling you to. I know there are people in here. God has called you to great things. He said, but many, in verse 30, he said, but many who push themselves to be first will find themselves last. And whoever are willing, and whoever are willing to be last will find themselves first. So many. That's what got me so upset about these young people yesterday. They were willing to trade. They're good, they're good young people. Young guy, and he's got a good business, and got an expensive boat. <laughs> Don't get a boat like that with no money. He's, he's, he's obviously gifted in some way. But somewhere his wheels had fallen off, and somewhere these girls, their their wheels had fallen off somewhere. They traded their life. They're willing to trade box of air. All of us are in that same boat at some point. Competing commitments. We're going to live this lifestyle. But I want to encourage you today. For us as a church, for us as individuals. God is calling us. He never stops calling us to follow Him. It doesn't matter whether you've been saved for a hundred years. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't matter. The Lord never stops calling. I want to, for those who that, that, that are here for the first time today, you're here because God has called you. You're here because God has called you. You may not know why. You just felt, I just need to come to church. You may be feeling, my life is empty. I need something more. There's got to be more to life than this. The answer is this. The answer is found in Jesus Christ. Not just receiving Him once, but the answer is found in making a decision to follow Him every day of your life. The answer is found purposefully and intentionally making a decision to sacrifice your life to follow Him. And you will find that as you do that, over time, the Lord will open up. You'll find a life that you never thought you could ever have. And when one day you'll stand before the Lord because one day the Christ will return. Christ will return. That there is the point that I believe that Jesus Christ is trying to make to us. For many people, our life is simply our perspective on life is just our natural life. One day we die. There's a saying that says this, 
You only live once. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. You die once. You have the opportunity to live every day. Every day you are alive, you have the opportunity to live. And one day when you do die, you won't just die. You will be resurrected with Christ Jesus. Like Jesus said, he says, an, eternally, an, an, an eternal life, he said, you will rule and reign with me. There will be a day when Christ returns. In 2 Peter 3, it talks about that day, how the, how the heavens will erupt, the fire will erupt from the sky. The whole earth will be shaken when he returns again. One day, he will come again, and he will judge the earth. And those that have made the decision to follow him, to pursue him, he will resurrect those ones. Those people will be seated in heavenly places. I want to be part of that people. My life is far beyond. Your life is far beyond just my natural years. You're an eternal being. You're an eternal creation. What you do, what you choose in life, the priorities that you choose in life will have eternal consequences. What God has placed inside of you has the power to shift eternity. But yet so often we just trade it. We're just a box of beans. Why don't you just close your eyes and bow your head? Jesus is still calling people. He is calling you. One, He's calling you first into relationship with Him. He's calling you to become a disciple of Him. He's calling you to live a a lifestyle of sacrifice, a life where you have to give up some things first. You may have to give up your reputation. You may have to look like a fool for a little bit. But one day, that will turn. And the very people that mock you, the very people that mock you for your faith will come to you. The very people that rejected you will one day turn around and come to you because they'll see something inside of your life, something that has been forged, something that has been formed, something that has been fashioned by fire in your life. One day your life will just start to, your life will start to continue to arise. One day when you close your eyes for the last time and you open them up, you step into an eternity, you'll see the effect of your decisions. Why don't you make a decision today? One, if you're here and you've never received Jesus Christ, and today you want to receive Jesus Christ, you may have lived a good life. It doesn't really matter what kind of life that you live. If you have felt in your heart today, there has got to be more in life than what I'm experiencing now. Jesus, I don't you, but I want to find you. I want to. I need you in my life, Lord Jesus. I need to discover this life that you offer. I need to discover eternal life. I've got a lot of nice things in my life. I've got a nice house. I've got a good job. I've got money in the bank. I've got all these wonderful things. I've, but there's something still missing. You could make a decision right now to say, Jesus, come into my heart. You may be here today and your life has gone a mess. Your life has maybe have taken a turn for the worse. Your life maybe have been lost and made some bad choices. Friends, it doesn't matter. Jesus is always willing. He is always ready to receive you. If you would just say yes to Jesus, he is always willing and able. You may be here today, friend. You have sat in this church for a number of years, but have stopped pursuing Christ. 
make a decision today, friend. There is more inside of you. There are people here today. You are called as prophets. You are called as nation changers. You are called to bring something of heaven into this earth. But the problem is you're still holding on to your home. You're still holding on to things in your heart. Your heart is attached to You know what it is. Only you know what it is. Make a decision today to let go. Make a decision today to build an altar of sacrifice again in your life. Don't just live a Christian lifestyle. Become a disciple of Jesus Christ. Be one of those people that the world was saying, those who have turned the world upside down have come here also. Friend, make a decision to be a disciple of Jesus Christ today. Come on, stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Just with every eye closed and every head bowed, I'd ask this question. You're here today, you've never received Jesus Christ. You know that there's something missing inside of you. Today, you feel something inside saying, that is me. That is me. I need to receive Jesus. I need to find that life that I've been searching for. It doesn't matter whether you've made a good life or a not so good life. But you still know that there's something missing. But you need to receive Jesus. And you know in your heart right now. I'd love for you just to come to the front right now. Make a decision. Make a decision. Don't leave it to tomorrow. Make a decision to say, say, yes, I'm going to make a decision. I am going to receive Jesus Christ. I'm sick of the life. I'm, I, I, I just need this gift of eternal life. I want my life to count for something. If that is you. You've never received Jesus Christ. Today, and today you want to make that decision. Come to the front. We're going to sing the song one more time. Just make a decision. Your heart might be pumping. Your heart might be pounding. You may be sweating. Just make a decision. Come on, welcome. Welcome. Say there's another person you need, you know in your heart that Jesus is calling you. Come on, you've never received Jesus Christ. Who is that person? Another one? Yes. Wonderful. There's another gentleman here. You're searching. It's one man. One man. Come on. It's one man. One more man. Where are you? Come on. There's one more man here. There's one more gentleman here. You're searching. That's okay. Go and talk to me afterwards if you need to. I'm not going to. Thank you guys so much for responding. What a big decision. What we're going to do is we're just going to pray. We're all going to pray this prayer together. And then somebody's going to come and pray and just lay hands on you if that's okay. And pray for you. And I want you to know that you're really special. 
whatever you've experienced in your life, whatever you're going through now. Hey. Thank you for responding. Awesome. I'd love for some of our leaders to come forward. We're just all going to just pray this prayer together. And I want you to just close your eyes. Don't look at me. Don't think about anyone else in this room. This is between you and God. He loves you. He loves you so much. He loves you more than you could ever imagine. He really does. And I'm going to say a prayer. And I'd love for you just to follow me. We want to pray this prayer together, so everyone else is going to pray really loud. So you just but I want you to pray it from the bottom of your heart. You're not praying it to me. You're not praying it to the church. It's between you and God. Let's all pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, I come to you today. I've sinned and gone my own way. Father, today I turn to you. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you've been calling me. Jesus, I believe today that you died on the cross for my sins. And you were resurrected on the third day. And that you will come again. Jesus, today, I ask you for forgiveness. I ask for your gift of eternal life. By faith today, I receive your mercy. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your free gift of eternal life. I thank you that today that my sins are forgiven, that my past is washed clean. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let me just pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these ones that have responded. I thank you for your love for them. Thank you, Lord, that every one of them is so special. I pray, Heavenly Father, that your presence will just come and touch their hearts. Let your love come and touch them. Lord, let your love come and minister to them today. Lord, I thank you for your call over their life. I thank you for the the gifting. I thank you for everything that you've placed inside of their hearts. Lord, I pray that today, Lord, that you'd give them the courage, the strength to follow you, to pursue you, Lord, I thank you for the plan that you've mapped out for their lives. I speak your blessing over their lives. I speak your blessing over their family, over their household today, in Jesus' name. Thank you that today, Lord, that your angels are with them. Lord, I bless them today. I pray, Lord, that you would come and bring healing and restoration into their life. Lord, I pray that you would come and bring healing into the pain. I thank you, Lord, that you don't reject us. You never do. You never do. Bless them today in Jesus' name. Wonderful. Thank you so much for responding. We've got somebody just with you right now. They're just going to talk with you and pray for you in just a couple of minutes. So Joe will look after you. Thank you so much. I want to encourage every person here today, just as we close. You may have been stirred in your heart. Yes, I've been sitting here for a little while, but 
and I've just stopped pursuing the Lord. I've just I've become stagnant in my faith. Why don't you make a decision today? Make a decision to, don't just live a Christian lifestyle, friend. Make a decision today to allow Christ to speak and to work inside of your heart. Make a decision today to become a disciple of Jesus Christ and refine, find that life that you've been looking for. Amen. How many people today you can say, yes, God has spoken to me in some way. There's something maybe my heart has been attached to. I need to start pursuing the Lord afresh in my life. Make a decision. Lift up your hand and say, I can tell you that's me. That is me. That is me. That is me. Come on, let's just start to worship the Lord one more time. Here we are, standing in your presence. Here we are, standing in your presence. Shekinah Thank you for your people. I thank you for your whanau. Lord, as the pastor, Lord, I, I hand up, I just release your hand to blessing and favor of every home here today in Jesus' name. May your, may your face shine upon every home. May your face shine upon every heart today. May the God of all hope bring you peace. May God bless your decisions. May God bless you during the week as you go about your work. May you experience the joy and the comfort of the Lord. I bless your families today. I bless your households. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Come on, everyone said? Amen. Come on, let's give Jesus a shout of praise today. Come on, a big one. Come on. Have a fantastic week. God bless you. Take somebody out for lunch. Go and save a life somewhere.